on her grave marker. It reads, born July 14th, 1942. And then there's a dash. And she went to be with the Lord August 18th, 2015. The day my mom was born, July 14th, 1942. The day she went to be with the Lord, August 18th of 2015. But it's the dash in the middle that matters. It's what counts. And as I was thinking about my mother... Um, the Lord drew me to Luke chapter 1 and 2. And I want you to take your Bibles and go there. Luke chapter 1 and... Luke chapter 1. As I look at the life of Mary before she became a mother, um, it's quite amazing what the Scripture reveals to us about this woman. Um, I consider my mother to be a, have been a very special lady. Um, at the center of my mother's life was the Lord Jesus Christ. She was saved when she was a girl, a little girl. And I had the privilege of witnessing as her son a life lived for the Lord. I've had time now since um, August of 2015 to reflect some on her life. And I could tell you about the things she did for me as a boy and as a teenager. Um, and even in college as I went off to school... But you know, while those things, while there are stories there, and, and some are funny stories, um, and some are serious, when I look back, that's not what I really focus on. When I think about my mother, Mary Ellen Blunt, I think about a godly woman. A woman who, at the center of her life, was Jesus Christ. Not everybody shares that story in here. I'm sure there's some, some stories here where um, it's pretty tough when you consider your mother and the life that your mom lived. I don't know for sure, but I know in an audience this size, not everybody has my story. Not everybody is able to share the same thing. And so as I look back and reflect upon my mother and the influence that she had in my life, I am truly a blessed man. This sermon today is not so much about um, what you need to do as a mother. <laughs> um, that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this this morning is to look at Mary before she became a mother. What can we learn about her? And then what can you as mothers and fathers do to impact your children for the Lord Jesus Christ? And so I want to share with you three points that come out in Luke chapter 1 about Mary, and I want us to begin back in verse 26. 
verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, or blessed one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And then we have Mary's response. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. In verse 38, we have recorded for us, beginning in verse 38... Mary's response to what was said to her. And the response, every time I read this response, I'm, I'm in a sense of awe. Wow, what a response. By a teenage girl. <laughs> Verse 38, we have Mary's response. First, we see her obedience. Notice verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, the bond slave. The douloi is the word in the Greek. It means female slave. Behold, the slave of the Lord. <laughs> That's quite a response. I mean, wouldn't you think she would have had all kinds of things going through her mind at this point in time? But her response is, Behold. The female slave of the Lord. We just talked about that issue, that word a couple of weeks ago. The word doulos. It means slave. And if a person is a slave of the Lord, they're submissive to the Lord. If a person says they're a slave of the Lord, they're submissive to the Lord. They're obedient to the Lord. I like what one theologian writes about this response. He says, here is a teenager facing misunderstanding and rejection from her family, Joseph and her townspeople, and yet she says, Behold, the slave of the Lord, and notice she goes on, Be it done to me according to your word. What was Mary saying? Whatever your will is, Lord, 
whatever your will is. <laughs> we don't say that lightly, do we? Whatever your will, think about that phrase, whatever your will is, Lord. That's what Mary is saying. Whatever your will is, Lord, be it done to me. I had a mother like that. Whatever, Lord, you want, I'll do. I had a mother like that. I had a mother who was a slave of Jesus Christ, whose center of her life was the Lord, who introduced her children at a very young age to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember us, and, and as little kids, having five-day clubs in our backyard. You guys remember those days? Five-day clubs, right? The Child Evangelism Fellowship used to really promote those. And in southwest Louisiana, there was one Bible church in Lake Charles. And that Bible church, we had a missionary who represented Child Evangelism Fellowship. And that missionary was begging for those people in their neighborhoods who would share the gospel of Christ. And guess whose hand went up right? My mom. We'll do it. And I'm a little kid, and I'm like, no, we won't do it. I'm thinking, as a little kid, I don't want all these little kids around me, Right? There was a little bit, to be honest, a little bit of embarrassment. That's the honest truth. Because I had my friends, and I wanted my friends to know me as me. You know how it is, right? When kids grow up, and they're like, hmm, parents. Right? But my mom's out front. Oh, we'll do that. And we had a host of kids come from the neighborhoods. And my mother would be back there in the backyard. We had a big backyard. In the backyard, teaching these children about the good news of Jesus Christ. And do you know, my friends, that there were many children that came to know Jesus Christ through the obedience of my mother to the Lord. You see, that's what the Lord wants from all of us, right? Not just mothers, we have a great example in here in Scripture of a woman who was sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was sold out to the Lord. There was a submission and an obedience in her life. Um, I wrote in my margin, whatever your will is for my life, Lord, I'll do it. When I think about my mom and that dash, that's what I think about. Because that's what her life was like. Wouldn't it be great? Because, listen, if the Lord tarries in His coming um, for a hundred years, a lot of us are going to die. Okay? And so every one of us, right, there's going to be a eulogy read. There's going to be something said about us. And so the question becomes, what's that going to be? I'll never forget one of the saddest funerals that I was ever privileged to hear about, and it really wasn't a privilege once I heard what was being said, um, there was a man that died, and he loved to play golf, and, and I happened to be at the funeral home, and I was about to do a funeral, and one of the guys that was the director of the funeral home said, hey, Thad, you're not going to believe what's going on in that room right now. And I said, what's going on in that room right now? He said, there's three men in the room, there are four sets of golf clubs, and, by, and, there, and there's a, some kind of a, a bowl up front, which she didn't know what the bowl was for. And there were glasses up there. 
that were filled with something. And he said, and no one's saying anything about the guy. And he said, at the last minute, right before they were finished closing, right after, after I got done with my funeral, he said, Dad, you're never going to believe what happened. He said, one of the guys went to the front and stood up and said, listen, we enjoyed playing golf with this guy. And one day we're going to play another round with him. And I thought, that's tragic. Think about that. That's not much to say. When you think about eternity, guys, that's not much to say, is it? Well, Mary was a woman who was submissive and obedient to the Lord. The Bible tells us also that Mary had a focus. If you go down to verse 45, she goes and she visits with Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Bible tells us down in verse 44, For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And then we have Mary's song. Beautiful song. And there's two points out of this song that speak about Mary. And first is her focus. Notice verse 46. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. That word exalt means to glorify. It means to magnify. Mary's focus in this song is the Lord. It's Him. Two times in the first two verses, verse 46 and 47, you see the little um, preposition, my. My soul exalts the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. And two other times uses the word me. But outside of that, the focus of the song is the Lord. Look at it with me. Verse 47, For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. There's that term again. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. Notice her focus continues. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. He, the central focus in Mary's life was the Lord. You know, what about our lives as believers? What's the central focus? Is that something we should think about? You know, what's the central focus of our life? What do we spend our time doing? Uh, my mother, her life was committed. Her central focus with the, was the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time I had something come up in my life that was hard that I needed to talk about, I called my mom. 
I said, Mom, this is what I'm thinking. This is what's going on in my life. What do you think? You know, her first words to me always were this. Have you taken it to the Lord? Have you given it to Him? Right? What a godly mother. Have you done that? The central focus in her life was seen in her commitment to the Word. My mom, one of my, the visuals I have in my life as an older man, thinking back to to my mom and growing up in that house in Louisiana, um, was her sitting on the edge of the couch every single morning reading her Bible. The central focus for Mary in her life was the Lord. It was the same for my mom. And that commitment to the Word was one of the things that set her apart in my home. Her commitment to prayer. She was all about prayer. If you knew my mom, she was all about prayer. She had journals. And, and when she went to be with the Lord, I, I saw some of those journals. And some of your names are in those journals. Some of your names. When, you know... This is what sets some people apart. When you ask someone to pray for you, there are some people when you say, will you pray for me? You know without a shadow of a doubt that person's praying for you. That was her. If you ever asked my mom to pray for you, she was praying for you. Some of your names are in those journals. See? I was thinking about little Millie. Man, isn't she cute? So... Josh and Andrea have the privilege of raising that child. Just like my mom had the privilege of raising myself and my sister. And what is the greatest need in the life of that little child? Christ. Christ. Salvation. And the greatest need in my life from the time I was born in San Diego, California, October 9, 1964 was that I would know Jesus Christ. And my mom was faithful. Yeah, she was faithful. Because at the center of her life was Christ. It wasn't something that was put on. It was something that was genuine. It was something that was real. Well, the Bible tells us that Mary was obedient. It tells us that she had a central focus. And that focus was the Lord. The Bible also speaks about Mary's attitude. (laughs) She had an attitude of joy. Look at verse 47. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. That phrase, has rejoiced, is a very important phrase. It's something that speaks about an activity or an event in the past, but continues on to the present has rejoiced, and continues to rejoice. Pretty awesome, isn't it? Has rejoiced, and continues to rejoice. Let me ask you a question. What is there to rejoice about in the Lord? What's there to rejoice about? Huh? Everything. Okay, that's pretty broad. Let's get a little specific. What is there to rejoice about? Huh? Huh? His goodness, His grace, His faithfulness, right? Now listen, all those singular words that we just used to describe the Lord, those are important words, right? Those are life things. 
where we see the goodness of God, where we see the faithfulness of God. My spirit has rejoiced. And notice the way she describes the Lord. <laughs> and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my who? My Savior. Mary needed a Savior? Answer? Yes. She recognized it. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. There was a joy in her life because God was her Savior. You get that? There's a joy in our life because God is our Savior. There was a joy in my mom's life because God was her Savior. Um, I remember when mom first got word that she had cancer. And um, that was really a tough time. And as a family, we were going through that together. And um, thought they, the doctors had thought they got all the cancer. And I'll never forget, man, there was just a whole lot of joy and rejoicing going on. And, um, and then I remember her calling and saying she had to go back to the doctor. And um, could I come up and drive up and be with her? Um, that that um, they were going to make sure everything was, was still gone. And, and she goes to the doctor and the doctor says it's back. And this time, he said, it's back to stay. Now, I don't know if you've been with someone who has received news like that, but it's tough. It's tough. It's, it's almost indescribable. Because, you know, um, from the time we're small, and even as we get old as teenagers, we think we're invincible, we're never going to die. And, 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 and then one day we wake up and mortality hits us in the face. It's like, whoa. I remember the first time that happened to me, I was in high school and one of my friends died. He was in 11th grade, or 9th grade, excuse me. I was in 11th grade. And I remember he died and I was like, whoa. Death's real. And I remember mom going through a lot of different emotions because we're, right, we're human, guys. We go through emotions. And you, when you get word like that, it's tough. And I remember sitting in that office with her and, and just, no, no, no. Yeah, I remember her saying, no, no, no. And the emotions didn't stop there. They continued. And, and um, in several conversations after that, her question was always, why? Um, those are not easy questions. So, Mom, I don't know why. I don't have an answer. But I know this, with God, there's not a wasted moment in the life of a believer. Wow. And we have to sit across from someone, right? And you're talking real life stuff. We moved her down here, and she started getting treatment at UAB, and I'll never forget, we were sitting in the office in the first visit. <laughs> and this shows you how the Lord works. We're sitting in the office on the first visit, and there's a lady sitting across from us, and, 
and she's got a, a headband on, and, and, and mom looks at her, and, and, and the visual for mom was, I'm going to end up like that, right? And she even said to me, I'm going to end up like that. And I'm like, mom, maybe so. I don't know. And, and I'll never forget, this woman caught a glimpse of us talking, and she, I don't know, I, I, I know the Spirit of the Lord led her, though. She walked over there, and she sat by us, and she looked at my mom, and she said, this is your first visit, isn't it? And I was like, whoa, time to exit. And she began to sit there and talk with her, and she said, the Lord will get you through it. You see, God knew all that. As much as I love my mom, I could not be for her what I needed to be for her right then. But you know what? This woman who she had never met in her life was. And this woman was an amazing woman. She had so much joy. I mean, and listen, if you've ever been into a doctor's office, a cancer office, there's not a whole lot of joy going on. This woman was way different from everybody. I could even tell from the very beginning when I first saw her, wow, this woman's different. And when she came over there and she planted herself next to mom and knew it was her first visit, she had that sense in her spirit and began to share with her. It was just amazing how the Lord used that woman in my mother's life. The joy that that woman had. And she had already been through multiple treatments. And she said to my mother on another visit, we saw her again. And she said, well, you know, Marilyn, they're telling me that I'm not going to make it much longer. But by golly, the Lord has our days in his hand. I'm like, preach it, lady. That lady was rejoicing in God, her Savior. Mary rejoiced in God, her Savior. Do you know, guys, no matter what's in front of us, we can rejoice in God, our Savior. There's a poem that all of you guys are familiar with, and it's called The Dash. But I want to read it because it's a really great poem. My mom was here on this earth for 73 years. A life not wasted. The Lord saved her at a young age. And she was a woman of obedience and submission to the Lord. She had a great focus in her life of the Lord. She knew that God was her Savior. And she wanted everybody else to know that He was. And she wanted to share that truth with everyone else. And the Lord took her on August 18th, 2015, to be with him. And I'll never forget, I've got to tell you this before, I'll never forget when they came to get her body. And um, the hearse pulls up, and there's only one other helper because it was late at night. And um, they were putting her body on this little stretcher thing and and um 
And they said, well, would you mind helping us? I said, no, I don't mind. And he's like, okay, well, a lot of people kind of do mind. I said, well, she's not here. That's just her shell. She's with the Lord. See, do we really believe that? Right? Isn't that one of the great things that sets us apart at funerals? We believe that those who are in Christ are with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But our dash matters. It matters. You guys, listen, I know, I, I look at you, and I know things that are going on in your lives, and I know there's some tough things. But you know what? Our dash is tested in those tough times. This is the poem written by Linda Ellis, The Dash. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came her date of her birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? Lord, help us to know, right? Help us to know that every second you give us on this earth as believers count for eternity. Help us not to waste the years that you give us and help us to pray for parents like Josh and Andrea and that little baby Millie, that that little baby would know, come to know Christ and that we would have the privilege of being right people who can invest in the life of that little girl. Let's pray together. Lord, I just can't thank you enough for my mother. There are times I miss her. Uh, but then when I think about perspective, you always bring me around to the fact that she's a whole lot better off than I am right now. Because she's in your presence. <laughs> she's worshiping you right now. 
in your presence. Lord, I pray that all of us in this room long for that day when we're in your presence, when we'll see you face to face in all your glory. And Lord, I pray that there is one in this room today that does not know you, Lord, as Savior, that today could be that day where the Father draws them, the Spirit convicts them of their sin and their need for a Savior, just like Mary knew that God was her Savior. I pray that we would know without a doubt that the Lord is our Savior and that we would think about because we don't know how long we have, that we would think about the dash. We can't go back and unscramble the egg, so to speak. But Lord, we can start right now, today, by your grace, living for you, so that when people talk about our dash, they won't be lifting us up high, but they'll be lifting you up high because of what you've accomplished in and through us as slaves of the Lord. Thank you for the example of Mary that we have in your word. And I pray that we would leave this place today challenged in our walk with you to live by grace under the power of the Holy Spirit that we might honor you in all that we do and all that we say in Jesus' name.